Thank you very much, Francis, for reading that very short passage for us so clearly and so eloquently. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to absorb your word. In your word, we find the way to your kingdom, the truth about your kingdom, and the promised eternal life of the kingdom. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, hear our prayers made in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, again, I say thank you very much, Francis, for reading that passage for us. It's going to be a short message So, what I want us to do. Let us try and picture the scene in this passage. Let's create the imagery of what's going on in this passage. A visiting preacher was in town. He's been invited into the synagogue to teach the Word of God. The visiting preacher is there teaching the Word of God, and right in the middle of his teaching, he stopped, and he healed a woman, a woman who was unwell, bent over. The people went, wow. This is great. A miracle in front of our eyes. This must be a different teacher. He's just healed a woman. Wow. They were excited. And while that excitement was going on, the minister in charge of the synagogue was not having any of that. He jumped up and he accused the people and this teacher of breaking the Sabbath law. You should not be doing this on the Sabbath day. At that point, the visiting preacher, the rabbi who was teaching, stood up as well and addressed the minister in charge of the synagogue. He accused him of being a hypocrite. And the growl went on in the synagogue. The people were excited there was a miracle. The home minister wasn't happy about this. And the teacher who was there defended the action that he was right. Argument broke out in the synagogue. That's the picture. It never happened in the Methodist church. We don't argue in church. If we have problem, we take it home and we find a way to address it. But not in the synagogue on that day. An argument has just broken out. Jesus, the rabbi, made a case that the Sabbath was given for people to have rest. He made a case that the Sabbath was given for people to be restored for people to be healed. He claimed that he hasn't broken any law. Rather, he's just exposed the strict, legit, um, he's just exposed their strict uh, legalistic interpretation of the law. That what he said is just done. And these interpretations of the law were put in place by the synagogue leaders to keep the people bound. In another gospel, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus, who was teaching in this synagogue, said in another instant that the Sabbath was made for human beings and not human beings for the Sabbath. The words in Mark chapter 2 reminds us that the Sabbath was meant to be a blessing. It's supposed to be a blessing to you and I rather than a burden for those who observe it. 
God created the Sabbath, but on the Sabbath, he did not cease to be a loving, a caring, and a compassionate God. In another gospel passage, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, this same rabbi, Jesus, he said, Come unto me, all ye who are weary, all ye who are burdened, and I will give you rest. He did not put any time to it when it should happen. Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you a Sabbath. I will give you a break from the burdens that you carry. The rabbi went on to say in this passage that the religious leaders, they untied their animals. They loose them up on the Sabbath day for them to go find some food and some water. And then he turned around to this woman and said, how much more? This woman, a daughter of Abraham, who's been suffering for 18 years, how much more if we just untie her and loose her up from the pain and agony that she has been going through? Jesus the rabbi prioritized human freedom. He prioritized human compassion. He prioritized restoration over misinterpreted legalism. But let's put that to one side because to me when I read that scripture, when I look at that passage, I saw that bit of it as a distraction. I was saying to myself, they shouldn't have put that there. This is such a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story of hope of hope and confidence in God. William Willsby, an American preacher, he once said, if I had been crippled for 18 years, I wonder if I would be faithful to worship God week in and week out in the synagogue. In the Old Testament, we met Job's wife. I'm sure you've heard about her. She could not endure the agony. The agony of seeing a husband in so much pain, sitting in the dust, scraping his sores. She burst out one day and she said to him, do you persist in your integrity with God? Why not curse God and die? Friends, there are times when we go through pain. There are times when we get to the breaking point moments in our lives. Times when we only have two options. Number one is to trust in God, hope in God. And number two is to give up on God. You either trust in him or you give up on him. In a world filled with trials and challenges, it is our hope in God our endurance in the face of adversity that will enable us to navigate the storms of life. This is a beautiful story of hope in God. The woman in our text this evening chose to put her trust and her hope in God. Luke is the only gospel writer who recorded this event in the life of Jesus Christ. The others, they embodied with this story. Understandably, Luke, being a physician, would have been drawn to a story like this, wanting to explain this incident to everybody. 
In the text, it tells us that there was a woman who was hunched back for 18 years, but we don't know her name. The text implies that she wasn't born like that. Perhaps it was due to calcium deficiency, a spinal injury might be, a genetic issue, or some extreme case of osteoporosis. But we don't know what was going on here. We're simply told that in the synagogue where Jesus was teaching, where Jesus was preaching, there was a woman who had been crippled by the Spirit for 18 good years. That's a long time. For 18 good years, she's been bent down and could not straighten up. She was unable to experience the fullness of life that is ours in Christ Jesus, unable to stand up straight and to look at the sun when it shines during the day, unable to stand up and get the breeze on her face, unable to stand up and to marvel at the bright blue sky, unable to look at the galaxy and enjoy the wonders of God because according to Dr. Luke, she was crippled, bent down for 18 good years. But look at this. However, in her uncomfortable crippled condition, hope and commitment kept her going. Hope and commitment was the watchword for her. Like fuel in our cars or a charge on our electric car, we always need something to keep us going. What keeps you going is the question this evening. For this woman reading this text, hope and commitment kept her going. She was at the right place at the right time in the synagogue where Jesus was preaching. And I want to assure you tonight, you are at the right place at the right time, a place where we are calling upon that same rabbi who was teaching in this passage that we're looking at this evening. That same God who is able to heal is the God that we have come to tonight. You haven't come to listen to me or to listen to Allison or to listen to Charlie or to enjoy the music. You have come to that same God who was teaching in this synagogue. That same God is here because it says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is in the midst of them. So tonight he is here. And because he is here and you are here, I assure you, you are in the right place at the right time. That's where that woman found herself, in the synagogue where Jesus was preaching. And on that particular day, she had an encounter with a teacher, an encounter with a rabbi. Three things happened in that encounter that changed her life, changed her countenance, and changed her story. These three things in the text will make up the three short points I will make before I sit down so that we can come and encounter that same teacher tonight. The first point I want to make is that this teacher who was teaching noticed this woman. The first point is that Jesus saw her. If you're writing, that's the first point for you to write. Jesus saw her. She was noticed. Her transformation started simply by being noticed by God. Was she wearing an high-vis jacket 
so that she stands out in the crowd? No. Perhaps it was her love. Perhaps it was her passion. Perhaps it was her faith, her trust, and her commitment and confidence in God and the synagogue that made her stood out. For Jesus to see her. Friends, God sees our hearts. He knows what's going on with you already before you got here. He knows your heart. And he honors your love. He honors your faith. He honors your passion. He honors your perseverance, your trust, and your commitment to him. After 18 years of pain and agony, she could still find time to worship her maker. She kept coming to the place of contact, being in the church, being in the synagogue, being in the presence of the Lord, strategically positions us for God to see and to notice us. So don't give up. I know you say, I come here every evening. I come here every Sunday evening. I come every Sunday morning. I'm fed up. I've done this all my life. Don't give up. Keep coming. Keep trusting in God. Because God's time is always the best. Jesus saw her after how many years? 18 good years. I ask you the question this evening. How long have you been waiting for healing? How long have you been crying unto God for healing? This story gives us hope. Hope in God. First, he saw her. My second point is that when he saw her, he summoned her. He invited her. He called her. He beckoned her, come to me. The woman in our story this evening received a call, and she responded in obedience. When you have been in the synagogue for that long, and you've been unwell 18 years, which is a very, very long time to be in pain, familiarity becomes an endurance. She may have said to herself, you know, I've been invited so many times to come forward. Many teachers have called me to come forward. Many teachers have invited me to come forward, but nothing happened. I am not going at the front today. But she overcame that familiarity barrier. She got up, perhaps with all eyes on her because of her condition, all eyes on her because of her mobility. But she shamelessly made her way to Jesus, the caller. How would you respond tonight when that altar call is made for you to come? Not to Allison, not to me. How will you respond when that altar call is made tonight to come to that same Savior who was teaching in the synagogue on that day, a woman who suffered 18 years, got her healing? How would you respond? At times, we are like a mobile phone in the silent mode when God is calling us. The call is coming in, but we don't hear it because we are on silence. When blind Bartimaeus was called initially, he could not hear the call because it was too noisy. 
What is preventing you from hearing that incoming call from God this evening? Is it the silence or is it the noise? The hunchback woman was alert. I'm asking you tonight. Are you? Are you alert so that you respond when that call comes in first time? Immediately. Other times we hear the call, but we are too busy with the things of the world to respond to the call from God. So God's call in our lives goes unanswered. It becomes missed call. You have missed a call from God because we've been busy with the things of the world, so distracted that when that call comes in, we miss it. And sometimes we do hear the call and we respond to the call. But we debate with God. God, you've got the wrong number. You've got the wrong person. You shouldn't be calling me. I am not good enough. I, I don't think I'm in that place to even come to you. I can't do it. I am too old, too young, too busy. I can't. But this evening, I want us to take our cue from this woman. She responded promptly to the call of God. She responded in obedience. Jesus saw her. Jesus summoned her. And the third point is right there in the text that Francis read for us this evening. Jesus said to her. Jesus communicated with her. Jesus assured her of healing, of freedom, and release from captivity. In verse 12 of that reading, he said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she was straightened up, and she praised God. Immediately. Hallelujah. The bent is straightened up. Jesus touched her, and she was healed. I ask you tonight, what is it that is bending you over? Is it a blood disease? Is it a bone disease? Is it cancer? Is it lungs? Are you talking about some kidney issues here? Heart disease? Skin disease? Depression? Anxiety? Mental health? Whatever it is, Isaiah the prophet declares that by the stripes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are healed. Somebody say amen to that. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Isaiah declares, Jesus saw the bent of a woman. He called her and he said to her, woman, you are free from your ailment. When the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. And so in conclusion this evening, as we picture that scene and the story, all this going on, all this kicking off in the synagogue, may it challenge us to embrace the power of compassion. May it challenge us to break free from legalistic tradition. May it challenge us to seek a personal encounter with Jesus who sees and knows your pain, who sees and knows what you're carrying, 
who sees and knows what keeps you awake, who sees and knows what brings out the tears from your eyes, who sees and knows what you're crying and praying for on your own in your living room. He sees and knows the pain that you are carrying. This is the God that we have come to. Will you put into his hands the things your doctor cannot do? Will you put into his hands the things that are troubling you? He is calling someone out tonight. How would you respond? Will you respond? I hope you will. Amen. We stand to sing together. Father, I place.